Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So there's a lot of options when it comes to buying flowers for Valentine's Day, but there's only one Rose Authority. 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can order 24 multicolored, beautiful roses for only $29.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for only 10 bucks more. 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. All right, glad you're with us on this Tuesday. Top stories today. The Ninth Circuit will hear. Which, by the way, we need to start talking about the Ninth Circuit. It is the most overturned court in the country. A great piece by our buddy Daniel Horowitz today. Want to take back our sovereignty? Start by breaking up the Ninth Circuit. This is likely not going to go the president and the administration's way because it's such a biased court. Now, I'm going to get to that in a minute. I want to start somewhere else, though, here today, which is another top story, and that is the Republican Party and my complaints about the Republican Party and their lack of urgency. And I'm getting a little bit disgusted, and it's time to just lay this all out on the line. I don't have – I have had my entire life, everything that I do, a sense of urgency – You know, we were joking about this earlier today. Nobody that works for me, nobody on radio or TV goes out to lunch. Uh, You know, in all the years, this is my 30th year in radio or 29th year, whatever it is. I've never had a lunch unless it was absolutely necessary. You know, I met with the Nielsen guys once. I met with, uh, like, my boss once or twice. Short of that, I eat Campbell's chicken noodle soup at my desk most most days everybody that i'm looking at in our studio sweet baby james and linda and ethan and lauren and and jason they all eat at their desk i walk in the control nobody has time for lunch nobody has we, we have to put a show on the air 
and we want it to be the best it can be every single day. That's my job. That's what I do. Now, uh, how is it possible we have a president that in three weeks has accomplished, let's see, easing the burden of Obamacare? And in other words, getting rid of the penalty factor of Obamacare for people that don't have insurance, taking action to freeze new and pending regulations, has begun the process of undoing all these burdensome regulations on business, withdraws the U.S. from TPP, institutes a federal government hiring freeze. He bans federal dollars to provide abortions abroad. He issues five executive actions advancing Keystone and the Dakota Access Pipelines. He issues executive orders on the construction of the border wall. Finally, he issued executive orders and actions on extreme vetting, executive action on rebuilding the military, executive action and a plan to defeat ISIS. He's taking on Iran and has put them on notice and instituted sanctions and is moving further with the mullahs in Iran. He institutes a five-year lobbying ban. He nominates Neil Gorsuch to the U.S. Supreme Court, fulfilling yet another promise that he makes. And all I'm reading are headlines today. Ryan promises to repeal Obamacare by year's end. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? You know, then I read another article. They may delay Trump's tax cut in the Congress. Then I'm reading over the weekend all the criticisms. Mitch McConnell is going out there trashing the president who's done nothing but fulfill the promises he's made to the American people. Unlike Republicans, they were too cowardly, spineless, gutless, full of fear, and incapable of using their constitutionally enumerated power of the purse. You know, only Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and Marco Rubio and Rand Paul stood with him. Although that's just a fact. None of these other people stood with him. Mitch McConnell did because he was up for re-election. He came in for five minutes and I'm reading. Okay, so the story is Speaker Ryan is now promising he'll have a bill repealing Obamacare on the President Trump's desk by the end of the year. Obamacare has been the law we've known for eight years. This needs to go. And I've heard their arguments. Well, we've got nine separate plans and we're sorting through the nine plans and all the similarities in the nine. Nobody wants to hear this. Because you've had eight long years to build a consensus plan that you could tell the American people about that is going to transform health care in a way that benefits the American people who you are hired to serve. You're supposed to be public servants. And frankly, it is beyond my comprehension as somebody that lives with a sense of urgency every second of every day that you guys, eight years later, still don't have a consensus plan. And even after the election of Donald Trump, which a lot of you gutless, spineless cowards didn't support him and stood on the sidelines and barely went in at the end for him only because you thought you had to and it would benefit you, and that since November 8th, what the hell have you guys been doing? This is your job. And for eight years, you had eight years to design a replacement plan. You know what the president's vision for Obamacare is. Create competition, portability, state lines, health savings accounts. I can recite his agenda better than any of you can. And that's pretty pathetic. You got a guy that's moving at the speed of light with executive actions. He is, you know, all the things that I have mentioned. And he's talked to every world leader imaginable. 
and he's dealing with fake news and fighting an abusively biased news media every day. And eight years later, you guys don't have a consensus plan on Obamacare. What is wrong with you people? I don't want to hear that we're delaying Donald Trump's tax cuts. What does a delay mean? A delay means the odds go down that it gets passed. That means that he doesn't really have a honeymoon period. I mean, the media is never going to let him have a honeymoon period. It delays the benefits that would be be so profound to our economy that helped the people, remember the forgotten man, forgotten woman election is what I've called this, get out of poverty, off of food stamps, back in the labor force, back buying homes, and back pursuing the American dream in their lives. That's what you're delaying. Why is this so hard? Because the plan is simple. You lower middle class taxes, the corporate tax rate to 15%, You allow multinational corporations to repatriate money at a low rate, 10%, maybe less, whatever the figure is. So multinational corporations will take the trillions of dollars they have parked overseas and invested in America. You can also uh, add incentives if they build in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, which are most in need of help. You know, why not incentivize? All right, if if you invest X millions or billions of dollars, will give you an even greater incentive to bring your money back and create factories and manufacturing centers and put American workers back to work. Well, you know, why would you, you know, when Paul Ryan says lawmakers got to focus first on replacing and repairing, I don't want to hear the word repair. You said repeal and replace, not repair. You can't repair that which is so damaged. Now, there is a caveat to that without getting too nuanced here. There is within the Obamacare law great discretion that is available to Tom Price as soon as he gets his confirmation through his Health and Human Services Secretary, where he would have great discretion to change the law on his own and expedite the process. But keeping it on the books, that means any time a Democrat gets back in power, they'll have the same discretion to put it back. So don't be stupid and short-sighted in your thinking. Be more strategic and tactical. And that's the problem here. We'll talk, 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 talk. Well, the American people that are out of work. So you have Paul Ryan saying, well, our first focus will be on replacing, repairing Obamacare. I don't want to hear the word repair. Repealing and replacing is what the promise was. So he says that. Then he says he'll repeal and replace it by the end of the year. Well, if that's your priority and that's the end of the year, that does nothing for energy. That does nothing to drop seven brackets to three brackets, reform the tax code, give middle class and corporate tax cuts, allow repatriation. That does nothing to move the the needle as it relates to energy independence in the country. That does nothing in terms of immigration, although the president's moving forward with that even without you. You still have not explained in Congress why you raised the debt ceiling $9.7 trillion in the interim between Election Day and Inauguration Day of President Trump. And as the New York Post pointed out in an editorial, delaying these cuts is a massive risk because you're delaying a recovery. And the longer this country goes without a recovery each day that passes, this becomes Donald Trump's responsibility. And you owe it to him, considering he dragged half of your sorry asses into Congress and the Senate along with him, in spite of your lack of help. That means it's his bat, his ball, and his backside on the line, and you guys don't have time to 
you know, twiddle your thumbs in Congress. Get your ass in gear, get your act together, and start passing legislation. What's so hard about this? There's no excuse for being this slow. There's no excuse for not having an Obamacare replacement consensus plan. None. There's none. There's nothing you can tell me that's going to convince me that the nuances and the difficulties and the trials and tribulations and travails of of being a legislator is so hard. You have the House, you have the Senate, and you have the White House. Get your asses in gear and start working. Start working, start writing, and start serving the American people who put you there. That's your job. Get your job done. And if you can't get it done and you can't move more expeditiously and you don't build a sense of urgency, then it's time for you people to go home. And we will find people that can do the job and get it done for you. And that's putting Congress on notice. The president, Colonel uh, General Flynn, put Iran on notice. I'm putting you Republicans on notice. Get your head out of your asses and start serving the American people and start fulfilling the promises that you made years ago in 2010, 2014. Get your act together, repeal and replace. Get your act together, reform the tax code. Give us the tax cuts that will jumpstart the economy. Stop thinking about yourself, your lunches, your barbershops, your workout centers that we pay for, and start serving the American people again. We have a president that is moving at the speed of light, and we've got Congress now that is sitting on their hands and fiddling around as Rome is burning. The United States continues its precipitous decline. We don't have time for any of your political games anymore. There's no more excuses here. Harry Reid opened the door in the Senate for the nuclear option. Let's move. Get your act together and get moving and start fixing the country and start doing your job. You know, if if Trump can't sign, if the president can't sign anything before the fall at the earliest on the economy, you have delayed an entire year of recovery, an entire year. For what? Why can't you write the legislation and vote on it and pass it? Why, why would that take more than two weeks? Why am I, am I so naive to think that you can't get rid of all of your bureaucratic training and start to act like entrepreneurs and business owners instead of the pathetic politicians most of you are? And I'll say this, but for the Freedom Caucus, they're not worth a damn. I am beyond frustrated with you people. Get your act together. And if you don't get your act together, I promise you, your phones are never going to stop ringing because I am going to give your numbers out day after day after day after day after day on radio and TV. Get your act together and get to work. Your job is to serve the American people that are in poverty, on food stamps, out of work, and can't buy homes. Start serving them and start thinking about them every day instead of yourselves. Bringing jobs back to America and getting America back to work. This is the Sean Hannity Show. He 
You know, there are a lot of options when it comes to buying flowers for Valentine's Day, but there's only one true rose authority. 1-800-Flowers never fails to wow all the women in my life with the elegant and stunning bouquets that they have available. And 1-800-Flowers, they have the best deals on Valentine's Day essentials. And the best part, they start at just $29.99. Now simply pick the delivery date and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. 1-800-Flowers has an exclusive offer just for you, my Sean Hannity Show listeners. Now, today's offer is 24 multicolored roses for only $29.99. You can upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more. But that's only while supplies last. Now, to get amazing Valentine's Day deals like 24 multicolored roses for $29.99 or to upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more, just go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. Do it now for all the women in your life that you love. All right, as we roll along, by the way, if you need work and Congress is moving ever so pathetically slowly, don't worry. Our friends at Express Pros will help. You never pay a fee if you're a job seeker, not a penny. Their goal is to give out a million jobs a year. Just go to ExpressPros.com if you or somebody you know needs a job. All right. Now, I want to get to what's going to happen today at 6 o'clock tonight. The Ninth Circuit, the most liberal, the most overturned court of appeals, is going to hear oral arguments, I believe by telephone, which is fairly common, as it relates to the the Trump travel ban. Now, just so you know, this I would not be optimistic based on who the Ninth Circuit is, and I'll get into that in more details. Now, there's a reason that this case was filed in the state of Washington. There is a reason and a absolute strategy behind the left, and I'll explain it when we come back. I'll explain the U.S. code when we come back. I'll explain how the judge in this case made false claims that there were no terrorist attacks since 9-11 from these particular countries. I'll explain what the judiciary, how the left uses the judiciary to do what they could never get done at the ballot box, what you would never vote for. What, you, what they could never get done legislatively and how the courts is where the country has moved solidly left. And that's why Neil Gorsuch is such an important pick by President Trump. And ultimately, this may end up in the hands of the entire Supreme Court without Neil Gorsuch, which is problematic, or assuming the Ninth Circuit acts the way they normally do, which is with a left-wing, radical, and agenda-driven uh, political view then probably it would end up in the hands of Justice Kennedy. And Justice Kennedy then has two choices. Well, actually three, but two real choices. One is he can decide on himself to overturn what the Ninth Circuit does unilaterally, or he can put it before the entire Supreme Court. I'm going to tell you what's really going on, though. There is a left-wing strategy that everything Donald Trump is going to do is going to be taken to the courts. Everything is to delay and obstruct, just like all of the cabinet officials and the Supreme Court choice of Neil Gorsuch. This is an orchestrated strategy, and I have the proof that they're planning every second of this. Now, I mentioned this. Remember the Republicans had their retreat in Philly, and President Trump went there? Well, the Democrats had their retreat as well, but... Anyway, a bunch of high-end Democratic donors met in Turnberry Isle Resort in Florida. And about 100, well, 
this was Clinton loyalist David Brock, you know, who's as vicious as they come. I mean, I think his organization is, and he personally, you know, they are at the top of the list in terms of left-wing radical left propaganda. Huge Clinton loyalist. He's under fire himself because of his horrible work he did in this election cycle, and he didn't get her elected. Anyway, so they had the, all these donors. They all convene at this swanky resort. And at this thing, they mapped out a plan. How Democrats will, quote, kick Donald Trump's ass. Their words, not mine. The Washington Free Beacon attended that retreat, and they actually got a copy and obtained a copy of David Brock's private and confidential memorandum from the meeting, and it's a memo, and I have the entire memo, and I have passed it on to people that matter. And it's called Democracy Matters Strategic Plan for Action. In this outline, it has a four-year agenda on how to attack Trump, how to attack Republicans, the groups that they will be using. I'm not sure if this raises tax issues for them, but it might, considering they're not supposed to be political, but they're admitting they're being political. Media Matters, American Bridge, that group crew, they've gone after me over the years, too. These citizens for responsibility and ethics in Washington. Yeah, they occasionally will go after one Democrat, but their biggest role is going after Republicans. Anyway, so the memo then contains the plans for, quote, defeating Trump through impeachment, expanding Media Matters mission to combat what they call government misinformation, ensuring Democratic control of the Senate in the 2018 midterm elections. By the way, Mitch McConnell, you paying attention? The way you can prevent that, Senator McConnell, is get victories for the people and keep your promises. I'll give you credit. You did a good job on the Supreme Court so far and not and keeping to what Democrats had set as a precedent as it relates to Merrick Garland. You did the right thing. Give you credit. Props. There you go. But if you don't get your act together fast in the Senate, it's going to be a problem. Then they also have a plan to file lawsuits against the Trump administration. Now, this is, pay very close attention. They're laying it out in a memorandum. This is what their plans are. We've heard from Maxine Waters this week about her desire to impeach Donald Trump. Um, Congresswoman, you've served through several different presidential administrations. From your tenured opinion, what is it that the American people can really expect over the next four years out of President Trump? Well, I hope he's not there for four years. Um, I hope that, you know, this man and who he is, what he's done, the way that he's defined himself, the way that he's acting, I, I am hoping that we're able to reveal all of this. And my greatest desire is to lead him right into impeachment. My greatest lead him right. And then Nancy Pelosi, well, once he breaks the law, yeah, of course we're going to move forward with impeachment. So you got the minority leader in the in the House saying the exact same thing. This is what they want. What do you think all this obstructionism is about? What do you think is happening here? All of these protesting groups, Chuck Schumer, oh, I vowed to work with the new president. He's not working with the new president. He is appealing to the radical base of the Democratic Party that is now taken to the streets. And as I told you, the day after Inauguration Day, they will be out on the streets on every agenda item that Donald Trump is pressing. Now, don't think that this happened by accident, that the state of Washington filed this lawsuit against Donald Trump. 
they're what they're doing is called judge shopping. And what they're doing is they're they're always going to do it when the jurisdiction is the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, because that is the most liberal, the most radical court of appeals in the country. And it includes Alaska, Hawaii, California, Nevada, or uh, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana. And by the way, as our friend David Daniel Horowitz pointed out, as of the end of fiscal year 2016, there were 13,334 pending appeals before the Ninth Circuit, more than twice the amount of the second busiest circuit, the Fifth Circuit, and many, more than 10 times more is as much as the adjacent Tenth Circuit. They're not getting their job done. So he makes he goes on to say it's maybe time to break up the Ninth Circuit, and it goes back to people like Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who's uh, O'Connor is from Arizona, and the Ninth Circuit is by far the most reversed repeals court in the country because they are an activist court. And as uh, as Horowitz points out, making Anthony Kennedy and look like James Madison in comparison. I mean, they get overturned, overruled all the time and reversed all the time. And there's a reason why Democrats pick Washington. There's the state of Washington. There's a reason why they want to be in the Ninth Circuit. Now, tonight on Hannity at 10 o'clock, we will have the audio of the arguments that are being made today. And it doesn't matter that we have co-equal branches of government to the Ninth Circuit. It doesn't matter that we have separation of powers. The law that the president used could not be any more clear, nor does it in any way conflict of his number one role, which is to be the commander in chief of this country. If you look at U.S. Code 81182, let me read it to you. It says, whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants and uh, impose the entry of aliens or uh, any restriction. Now, what is the Ninth Circuit? How do you overcome that? When the Obama administration identified specifically these seven countries, how do you possibly do it? Well, if you have a political agenda, you don't believe in the Constitution, you don't believe in the rule of law, you just write the law as you deem fit. And that's how the left advances their agenda. This is all part of a strategy that they're working on behind the scenes, and it's all to circumvent the law and circumvent the Trump agenda because they can't defeat him any other way. This is judicial activism at its worst. And on top of everything else, the judge in this case, six of the seven countries on Trump's uh, ban list, this was never a Muslim ban, considering it doesn't impact 90% of the world's Muslims, and 43 majority Muslim countries are not impacted by the ban. Some of them probably should be, not because they're Muslim, but because of their ties to radicalism. But, you know, nobody said a word when... Uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama had a ban for six months on Iraqi Iraqis coming into the country. The Ninth Circuit wasn't asked to weigh in on that. They weren't asked to weigh in on Jimmy Carter's ban of Iranians, even students that were thrown out of the country that originated from Iran. And when you got here as a judge that one cites, well, Black Lives Matters, he's a judicial activist. And then we're sending it to the most radical circuit appeals court in the country, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. 
you know, the judge actually goes on. Well, the answer he asked during the uh, the arguments, Michelle Bennett. Arguing before Judge Robart, how many arrests have there been of foreign nationals from those seven countries since 9-11? Well, she didn't know the exact answer. She said, I don't know the exact answer. And he just chimes in. The answer is none, as best as I can tell. Well, the Seattle judge was ignorant. As Breitbart's Neil Monroe pointed out, in terms of jihad convictions prior to imposing the refugee reform ban. And he was wrong because, in fact, the federal government has arrested and jailed at least 76 people since 9-11-2001 from the seven countries covered in the first stage of the president's reform, which is extreme vetting. And that fact means there is a massive error in the judge's rationale for imposing the temporary restraining order ban on the president's popular reform. And it is popular because every poll shows the American people support the temporary ban, as did Chuck Schumer. Temp- he supported the temporary ban. But now that he's in on, you know, I, I raised this point in my morning minute the other day. You know, liberals are crazy about the executive action. You know, you had Mike Hager, an Iraqi born U.S. citizen, claiming he was traveling back to the U.S. a sick mother. When Trump's executive order kicked it, caused his mother to die. Well, it turned out to be fake news. What about all the Americans, because we don't vet refugees that died in 9-11? Has anybody forgotten the 9-11 Commission report that said they were at war with us, we were not at war with them? Has anybody forgotten the rise of ISIS? Has anybody forgotten the burning of people inside of cages? Has anybody taken the time to watch the heads, the beheading of of multiple individuals at a time by ISIS. Does anybody not recognize that there's a war radical Islamists are waging right now against us? And just like in the the years leading up to 9-11 with the Kobar Towers and the embassy bombings in Kenya and in Tanzania and the USS Cole and the first Trade Center bombing, there were all sorts of signs and indications that, in fact, these people were at war with us. And now we've gone back to a pre-9-11 mindset. And now in the interim, while this ban is in place, refugees are racing to get into the country before the ban takes place. Again, there's 43 total countries, Muslim-majority countries, that are not impacted by the ban, including Indonesia and Egypt and and Bangladesh and Pakistan and Tunisia and uh, uh uh, Senegal and Sierra Leone and Saudi Arabia and Qatar, Oman, Niger, uh, Nigeria, Morocco, Mali, uh, Maldives, Kuwait, Lebanon, Kosovo, Kuwait, Kazakhstan, Jordan. I can go on forever. And the timeline is simple. And the Ninth Circuit, you know, now is going to have this argument. It basically is all set. But yet the law is as straightforward as any law as you're ever going to hear. It just you can't get any more clear than than the law that is cited by the Trump administration. You know, does anyone dare pay attention to the list of Muslim majority countries that ban uh, Israelis from going into their country? Oh, let's see who's on the list. Let's see. Oh, Syria, Iran, Yemen, Libya, Algeria, six of the seven countries. They ban Israelis from going in. I've never heard one liberal talk about it. Not once, but they always lecture Israel about building settlements on their in their own country. In their own country. Pretty amazing. Uh, now you see why this election mattered. All you 
ignorant never-Trumpers out there. Maybe now you can figure out what I and others saw that you didn't see about the importance of this election. Anyway, we'll have all of this now on Hannity tonight because it's really important. And I always, I'm just, now we got to put our hopes in Kennedy. And Kennedy's not exactly the most reliable jurist at the Supreme Court. And how fast can the U.S. Senate get the confirmation hearings for Neil Gorish up and running? And whether or not the Democrats will filibuster or whether or not they'll allow an up or down vote. You know, it's so nuts out there. I, you know, you keep hearing from the left in the news media, alt-right, alt-right. Well, the Knights for Socialism is a group at the University of Central Florida. They held a workshop Sunday to teach left-wing students how to, quote, bash the fash with a leftist fight group open to everyone but Republicans. Wow. So now the liberals are going to pony up on their marsh. Good thing I, I have a good head start. Uh, we've got the Congressional Black Caucus finding themselves in a mid- of, bit of a moral dilemma. They're deciding whether to ban a Latino congressman from joining the Congressional Black Caucus. Why wouldn't they let him in? A top Democrat says her greatest hope is for Trump's impeachment. I just played Maxine Waters for you. Uh, money trail, according to the Daily Caller of the Berkeley riot, may have led to some Soros-connected groups. Anyway, that group that helped organize the violence down there of of Milo Yiannopoulos of Breitbart at the University of California, Berkeley, the the home of the free, free speech movement in the country. Anyway, according to its 990 tax form, Alliance for Global Justice received $2.2 million in funding for the fiscal year. One of their biggest donors is the Tides Foundation, the nonprofit funded by Soros. Unbelievable. CBS poll, two-thirds of Democrats say Islam and Christianity are equally violent. Wow. Trump won't rule out defending the entire state of California, defunding the whole state over their sanctuary city. By the way, did you see the great pictures? So happy for Barack Obama. He's learning how to kite surf. Yeah, he's out there on the water, kite surfing with his billionaire buddy, Richard Branson. Isn't that nice that people have time to do that stuff? There's a woman that left her husband because he voted for Trump. Did you see that Reuters story? You know what my, my advice for the poor guy is? Good riddance. Who needs her? If she left you because of your political view, who needs her? Go find a, a right-thinking, nice woman and have a glass of wine with her. There's my advice for you. Maybe have a whole bottle eat each. You might want, you know what? Find this guy and send him sherry's, berries, and flowers. For Valentine's Day. If you find that guy, and we'll send him a Trump pen, too. Sean Hannity. All right, so what is slowing everything up in D.C.? Why are we being told, well, maybe we'll repeal and replace by the end of the year, and that's our top priority? Well, what does that mean for the economy? What does that mean for energy? What does that mean for the wall? What does that mean for education? What does that mean for the Trump agenda? What the hell is going on with these Republicans? How, do they, how after eight years, don't they have a consensus repeal and replace plan? Now, there's about 40 congressmen and maybe five senators that will come on this program. Freedom Caucus member Congressman Dave Brad of Virginia will join us. We'll ask him these questions and more. And uh, that's straight ahead. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? 
just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to mypillow.com or call 800 919 6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has the special four pack. Now you get 40% off two my pillow premiums and two go anywhere pillows. Now my pillow is made here in the USA, has a 60 day unconditional money back guarantee, and a 10 year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off. And that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. So we've already got a tax reform plan. We ran on it. You can go to better.gop and take a look at the one that the House Republicans put out there. That's the plan we're working off. We're working with all of our colleagues. But it's because the American health care system is in the middle of a collapse. It's because five states only have one health insurance choice. One out of three counties only have one health insurance choice. Deductibles are triple that of people in the large group market. Premiums are going up double digit again. So we feel the need to rescue this, this system here, and that's why we're going with health care first, and that's the first budget. And then in the spring, when we do our second budget, that's where tax reform comes. So it's just simply, uh, you, you can't do them at the same time because of the way the budget system works. So it's repeal and replace Obamacare so we can save and repair the health care system in this country, and then it's tax reform, which gets us economic growth, and that's just the way that, 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 that the budget law works. Okay, so you, you said you have to do that first, but going back to tax reform, initially we heard it's going to be in the first 100 days. Then suddenly you're that's talking why about... I put a, that's why I put a 200-day plan right, out. Then so it's the 200 days. Now they're talking about, well, maybe by the end of the year, maybe by the beginning of next year. No, no, no. No, no, that's not true. I don't know who's saying that, but that's not the case. This is the first 200 days. It's just the way the budget works that we won't be able to get the ability to write our tax reform bill until our spring budget passes, and then we write that through the summer. So this is a 200-day plan. There's nobody talking about pushing this into 2018. All right, right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, and there are a lot of headlines out there that are pretty disturbing to me, and one is the GOP gets bolder in breaking with Trump. That was in the Hill. Congressional Republicans becoming more critical of President Trump and the shaky rollout of the executive order on immigration and extreme vetting, et cetera, et cetera. And Mitch McConnell this weekend, as I mentioned to you yesterday, went on a number of Sunday shows and was very vocal in expressing his disagreements with the president, which was somewhat confusing and surprising to me. And what's worse than all of this is I keep hearing that, oh, okay, well, they're going to delay the tax cuts that Donald Trump has promised. Well, that delays the recovery. And then, well, we might not get Obamacare done till the end of this year. The repeal even has been talked about may not get done until 2018. And I'm sitting back and thinking, all right, this is the same Republican Congress before Trump got into office that raised the debt ceiling $9.7 trillion. And I'm like, well, all right, what's going on here? Now, we don't have a lot of congressmen and women that will come on this program anymore because I've been so critical of their lack of vision, their lack of courage, their spinelessness at times, and the fact that they refused steadfastly to use the power of their purse, their enumerated constitutional authority. Congressman Dave Bratt is back with us. And, uh, Congressman, good to talk to you. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. You you teed it up just right. I'll, I'll just caution on one thing. We wake up to Politico, Roll Call, all the uh, D.C., you know, fake news sources up here. So part of their part of their goal is to break up our momentum. And so 
uh, what you're saying is true. We, we, if we don't do the tax piece, that's the most crucial piece, right? That, that has to pay for a lot of stuff, stronger military infrastructure, all that stuff, if we go that route. And you're right to focus on that, because if we don't get that through and get that Reagan pop that he got in 81 and 86, uh, the the sink the uh, ship will sink. Well, I I agree with that, but I'm I'm reading this piece that they're talking about maybe doing it in the summer or towards the end of the year. Why would they yeah, wait no, that? It, why would they wait that long, especially with a president that wants to move at the speed of light? Yeah, well, I we don't want to move that uh, slow in the House Freedom Caucus. We're pushing on the uh, you had it right on the health care too. We already voted on what's called the 2015 plan, which is a full repeal and replacement of Obamacare, and there was a little backtracking on that, especially out of the Senate, right? The Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, some of these guys were saying, we're just going to repair it and work with the Democrats to fix Obamacare. And then there's some words repair coming out. And so you're right on, on that issue and on the tax piece. Uh, some of the folks with wobbly needs in the conference uh, want to move a little more slowly and carefully and cautiously. Uh, but they have Scott uh, Walker coming in from Wisconsin, et cetera, who did massive reform. And uh, from his comment here, he said, look, once you start doing reform, there's no way back, right? So uh, Obamacare is spiraling out of control under its own weight. The logic of socialism and a three-legged stool doesn't work, right? When you, one stool is broke, one leg of the stool is broke. And so uh, we need to replace that with a free market regimen. And even the tax credit proposals, I'm very skeptical of because then uh, you got politicians in the middle of the healthcare market at the federal system again, bidding up uh, tax credits uh, with political pressure. And so we got to find a way, like with Medicaid, when the state pays part of the tab and has skin in the game, uh, that keeps healthcare costs from skyrocketing because they Congressman, can't why why am I so frustrated that after eight years of Obamacare, that Republicans don't have a consensus plan set, written, ready to go? What what why? I mean, that to me is beyond unforgivable almost. Yeah, well, you're right. We have we, we do have them written. Price has a plan. I'm in favor of Rand Paul's plan. I like uh, Rand's got, plan, too. I like both. I mean, Price yeah. is a smart guy. They're, they're similar. Yeah, right. And so we got it. And so, of course, the, the, the solution in your anxiety comes about because of the politics, right? If we go free market, a lot of people are going to get very nervous, right? If we go with a Rand Paul, some of the conference isn't going to like that. And so then you enter the tax credit realm, which is not as good, but uh, that's maybe politically expedient. And then you get even worse. You get off into Obamacare uh, light programs, which none of us want because it'll fail. And so you're, you're right. But we, there, we have plenty of plans. And part of it, don't forget, is we're waiting on the secretary. We're waiting for Price to get confirmed. He was the head of budget committee, very smart guy. And we really are waiting, right? Until Trump gives a green light on a specific plan, uh, it's hard for Congress to know exactly what to aim at in the meantime. Why would anybody not take advantage? Look, I don't think Trump has had a honeymoon, nor do I think he'll ever get a honeymoon from the, a media that is abusively biased, alt-radical left, uh, in the tank for Hillary and Obama all these years. And, and they're against if he hiccups in the morning, they're going to they're going to make a big deal about it. And right. so it seems to me that the country is in support of change. And, you know, here's a guy that's been able to ease the burden on Obamacare through executive action. He's the guy that withdrew the U.S. from TPP. 
He's the guy that took action to freeze new and pending regulation, instituted a government hiring freeze, banned finances from going to abortions for countries abroad, opened up Keystone and the Dakota Access Pipelines, moved forward with executive actions on construction of the wall and issued the executive action on extreme vetting and rebuilding the military, is drawing up a plan to defeat ISIS, put a five-year lobbying ban for his administration, put Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. I mean, he's moving at the speed of light, and all I keep hearing from Congress is, well, maybe later this year on health care, maybe late, later this year on on taxes. What the hell's going on, Congressman? This is insane to me. Yeah, no, I agree. You're, and by the way, those lists you put together are very powerful. Keep doing that. Get that, that provides a lot of information to people real quick, and it's all gold. Uh, but it, it, uh, we had a doctor today on uh, in, in budget committee and uh, small business committee said the average price now for deductibles, the average deductible cost is $12,000 for the bronze plan, right? Not the silver gold, 12000 And so we haven't done a good enough job of telling people and explaining to people why the current system is collapsing, right? The costs are going up 20%, and health care is the main driver for Medicare and Social Security. And they're both insolvent, and the kids won't get them. They're insolvent in 2034, and that is on your list. That's the $100 trillion number that no one ever talks about except you. And so the key is getting this right, and you better have a free market uh, system that bends the cost curve down. And people don't even know what that means, right? Right now, the cost curve is going up at 20% on average, 50% out of, of some states out west, 100%. To bend the cost curve down doesn't mean you grow costs at 10% or 5%. To bend the cost curve down means costs actually go down right by, by negative 1%. And that's got to be our goal or the, the country fails. And so tell everyone that listens to you that's the goal is the cost curve has to go down, otherwise our systems collapse. And I'm with you on the frustration. I wish we could move this thing through immediately. And well, what, what uh, is, I Can I just ask an honest, what is Paul Ryan thinking here? I mean, what is going on in your conference meetings that are that are private and that, you know, there's no phones and no press? What's going on in there? Because if I was in there, I'd be screaming bloody murder. Yeah, well, a lot of us are in a hurry with you, and what they're, they're keeping it pretty tight, right? The terms of the plan, uh, we're waiting on price to get confirmed. So that hopefully that comes up. And Trump has said, Trump's waiting on that too, right? He says, the day Trump, the day price gets confirmed, boom, we're going to announce it, we're going to do it, and that's when he'll start tweeting. And so uh, keep the faith because I, it, Trump's very powerful that way, right? That once we get the plan, uh, he's going to go put some extreme. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be very blunt here, Congressman. If it not for the Freedom yeah. Caucus, guys like you and Steve King, that is not in the caucus, or Louis Gomer not in the caucus, or yeah. Marshall Blackburn is not in the caucus. There's a very small core of about 40 of you people that I think we can count on. And I'm going to tell you right now, if these guys don't get their ass in gear and start fulfilling these promises, they should have been prepared for Obamacare. They should have been prepared with a consensus replacement. They should, since Election Day was November the 8th, they knew what Trump's tax plan was. Now, I understand that there's going to be negotiation. I understand Paul Ryan has his priorities, his plan. I understand the legislative process. But these guys need to get their their act together and start moving because this stuff needs to be done expeditiously. Why is there no sense of urgency? Why in my entire life have I always felt a sense of urgency? When when 3 o'clock Eastern time comes, I don't have any options of not being prepared that day. I have to be on the air ready to go. 
How is it Congress doesn't have the sense of urgency to fix the country? Yeah, well, so the, the 40 of us do, and there's there's four. They, they want to get it done, and now the whole conference is going to be out of equilibrium. So you're, once we tilt over, right, our, we're out over our skis now. We're committed to repeal and replace. And so the Senate has already uh, said they're not going to go full repeal and replace. And the insurance regs, right, our friend Dan Horowitz has been leading on that that if you don't get rid of the insurance regs, which we cannot do in, in uh, reconciliation right now under the law, right, unless you get rid of the parlamentarian, and Mitch McConnell really goes hardcore. So we won't have free market health care. Well, Mitch McConnell's not going to do his job. Maybe it's time for him to pack it in and go home. Well, that's have your callers and have the folks call their senators. That's the number one obstacle right now is the Senate has to make some key decisions. He's been good on the Gorsuch and on the he Supreme was Court. Great. He was great on the Supreme Court. But, uh, going to give them all credit but, uh, where credit's due, but we, we, we need to yep. move. All right, hang on. Stay with us one more segment. We only have a few minutes left with Dave Bratt of Virginia. Still not sick of winning. Making America great again. Sean Hannity's on the air right now. All right, as we continue with Congressman Dave Bratt, part of the Freedom Caucus, and we're talking about... Well, can I ask you a question? Why did Congress, sure. in the interim between Election Day and Inauguration Day, why did they raise the debt ceiling, $9.7 trillion? This is a little technical, but that was a budget resolution, so we didn't raise the debt ceiling. That's going to come up in March, though, so keep your eye on the ball there. And so what we, we did a budget resolution, and it really was... I'm on the budget committee, right? And so I always tell you the truth. That wasn't a budget. We put that number together to make it easy for the Senate to vote for a resolution which would allow us to repeal Obamacare. So that had no budget implications. But we got big challenges coming forward, building a wall, infrastructure, significantly re- increasing the military under Trump announced this morning some uh, big steps there, tax cuts, repeal of Obamacare. There's going to be some huge pressure on the fiscal front. And so uh, that number, uh, keep an eye on that budget number and help us out. Well, I hope so. And it's one we have to watch. Look, I understand that the wheels of government churn ever so slowly, but I'm getting very nervous about what I'm reading and the management of our expectations when we hear, well, maybe the end of the year, maybe the summer, maybe in 2018. What is the reality? What can we expect as it relates to the budget? And that would mean the tax cuts, repatriation, lowering the rates, seven rates to three, all of those things the president talked about during the campaign, the corporate tax rate. What is the time frame on that in reality? And what is the time frame similarly to repeal and replace? And please don't say the word repair because my head is going to spin and I'm going to I'm going to vomit out projectile puke like Linda Blair in, in The Exorcist. I think in two months we're going to have Obamacare repeal done. I honestly do. And then we're going to do reconciliation again, probably in several months. And then in that reconciliation, and that'll be the real budget bill, right? That's the one you pay attention to. That'll be the budget resolution, then reconciliation, and then the tax piece. 
and that that thing is good. It's got two huge pro growth pieces, right? The guy that designed the Reagan Revolution designed this one. Twenty percent corporate rates, immediate expensing, and he mentioned to us eight percent wage growth for the average person, right? Who haven't seen haven't seen their wages go up in thirty years. So that is some light at the end of the tunnel. But I I will say I wanted to get to this one other issue. The reason for some of this is because as Sean Spicer said yesterday, protesting has become a profession now, right? If you see what's coming out, this group called Indivisible and some of these other groups that are doing these paid protesters, right? My constituents can't make contact with our office. My constituents are trying to make contact. We had 30,000 negative hit pieces roll in, right, from folks. And then the left-wing blogs go nuts on it. And then the mainstream fake news picks up on it. So my Richmond Times-Dispatch newspaper regionally and the Washington Post pick up the left, left-wing talking points, which are all false. Yep. And they're saying that I'm not accessible, right? I beat the majority leader on that issue. It's my trademark. And so following Saul Alinsky, they go after your strength and try to take out your number one strength, which in my case is I am around that district I've got a everywhere. Break. Well, listen, Congressman, we're counting on you guys. And if people want to call Congress, they can. It's 202-224-3121. And if they don't get yep. moving, I'm going to give that number out every single day Good if they you. don't start getting their act together. And I will give it out the entire program long. I'll give it out on radio. I'll give it out on TV. They better keep their promises. And all they need to do is keep up with Trump. That's all they need to do. And if yep. they can't well, get you know, they can't gotta, fix I, things now, then they're useless to us, meaning I the got, public. We got it. I got it. I got 100 percent score on everything. Well, you it's keep in touch with me. And, and you know what? And, you, yeah. and, if, and if it's time to ask for a new speaker, a new majority leader, well, if they can't move, we'll do it. I don't care. It's time. This is our only chance to fix the country. This is it. Yeah. And everybody out there listening, go out to DaveBrat.com in my Facebook and defend me because you know what I've been doing for you for a couple of years, and I need your help a little bit. Well, anything I can do, I'm in. All right? One of the few. Hey, look, all these people want to avoid me like the plague. I'm sick of it. 800-941-SHAWN, our number. Or 50. The Senate being equally divided, the Vice President votes in the affirmative and the nomination is confirmed. Majority Leader. I move to reconsider the vote on the nomination. Question is on the motion to reconsider. I move to table a motion to reconsider. Question is on the motion to table. All in favor say aye. 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 All opposed? The ayes appear to have it. <laughs> the ayes do have it. And the motion to table is agreed to. I ask unanimous consent the mandatory quorum call be waived. I missed the joke. Without objection. All right, that, of course, was the vote to confirm. Uh, Betsy DeVos, as the education secretary, two Republican women, uh, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, uh, went against her on the Republican side, so it took Mike Pence to get in there as the president of the Senate, make that happen. Uh, joining us now, Hillsdale College president, constitutional scholar, good friend of the program, President Larry uh, Arn. Dr. Arn, welcome back. How are you? How are you doing, Sean? Um, it doesn't surprise me. Now, I had read a lot of mixed reviews on Betsy myself. At one point, she may have championed the idea of Common Core, but she then realized it didn't work. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Well, I've known her a long time, and she's a... Uh... She's the first one that uh, nominated to be Secretary of Education who is a big-time reformer. She wants school choice. She wants local control. 
And you think about that thing. It was started in 1979. Uh, Reagan's uh, the first Secretary of Education, Bell, was a, uh, under Reagan, was a disappointment. And every president, Republican and Democrat, has had designs to make the education department bigger in some way or another, and it's always grown. And so now for the first time, of course she's opposed, somebody's nominated who's got a long record of wishing to decentralize the control of education. Which, you know, if one of the things, the Latin derivative, I've said this many times on the air, for the word education, what its root meaning is, is to bring forth from within. And that's predicated, I believe, on a on a spiritual on the spiritual side that God created every human being on this earth and inside every human being is potential. And you just need to nurture and water and provide sunlight and a good environment. And whatever those talents are, a good teacher will bring that out of you. Unfortunately, we spend about eleven thousand six hundred dollars nationally per student for education, but yet we rank, which is more than any other country in the industrialized world, but yet we rank 19th, 22nd, 24th, you know, reading, writing, and math and science. Um, and we're obviously doing something radically wrong and not getting any bang for our buck. So we really, to me, we need a transformation of the entire educational system. We do. You know, my father was a high school teacher in Pocahontas, Arkansas, where I went to public school. And he watched his Bill Clinton was elected governor toward the end of his career, and Hillary Clinton was placed in charge of education, you know, her prefiguring her control of medical care after Bill became president. And my dad would just go on about the way they were centralizing control and they were appointing new bureaucrats in the education. So right now in public education, there are more non-teaching employees than there are teaching employees. No wonder it costs so much. And if you took that same money, you know, we, Sean, we have, we, we're, Hillsdale College is advising now 16 charter schools. And they all get not more than 80% of the money the public schools get. And that's enough. And, you know, you can teach Latin and you can wear uniforms and you can have an excellent student faculty ratio. What you just can't have is an enormous bureaucracy being paid out of the same budget. I think that's extremely well said. What is it cost of education at Hillsdale? which really is is a go back to basics, learn American history, learn about our framers, learn about our founders, learn about our Constitution. And I've met so many young people over the years at CPAC and elsewhere and knowing you these many years, and they've gotten great educations, and they're the smartest kids I ever meet. Between them and Liberty University, they're the smartest. Yeah, well, th- uh, thank you, Sean. And uh, that, so it costs a lot in college. College costs are very different than than uh, than. K through 12 costs, so our our costs are 50 grand or something like that. The tuition we charge is in the low 20s. Uh, we we want every kid to pay something significant, but you know if you have one teacher for every nine students and you got to put them up and feed them and all that stuff, then it costs a lot. So the tuition is about 20 grand, which by the way is on par with the cost. Well, if you go into any of the Ivy League schools or big-name schools, you're paying well into the 60s and $70,000 a year now. It's insane. That's right. That's right. And, they, and you know, everybody, the teachers here, they all teach, and you're not taught your classes by teaching assistants. And, you know, at the Hillsdale Academy, uh, a little bitty school without any economies of scale, and with 16, 17 students per class, that cost, and that's directly comparable that cost, what does that cost? That cost about $6,200 per student per year. 
Wow. So, you know, I don't even think we should cut the budgets of public schools. I think they should remain where they are. I think we should lavish money on it. I just think that it should be managed by parents and teachers who are the people who know the names of the kids. Yeah, I think that's so well said, and uh, and that's why your school has done so well. Do you think that Betsy DeVos, knowing her, will be able – like I think one of the greatest tragedies and one of the, the biggest disasters has been inner-city education in this country. Do you think if we gave those parents money and schools competed for those dollars, let's say we keep it at the same amount of money, state, federal, local funds, at 11600 a student – don't you think the schools that put kids in uniforms, that put an emphasis on reading, writing, math, and science, that demand kids uh, cooperate and behave or they get thrown out, uh, that don't tolerate drugs or gangs or any disruption, don't you think those are the schools that parents will choose for their kids? You know, I very much think that. We, we Of our 16 schools, three of them are urban schools, and uh, those are harder because you need people to make sure there's somebody to help take care of the kids. There's a lot of dislocation in these very poor communities. And so you get, I mean, I get, there's one of our, the oldest of our three urban schools is in Savannah, Georgia, and it operates in the building where Clarence Thomas went to high school for two years. Mm-hmm. And, and it's called the Savannah Classical Academy. And there's a story about a little girl, 12 years old, and a social worker showed up and was wondering if she could talk to her. And it emerged that this little girl was living home alone for 10, 10 days. And the headmaster of the school said, goodness, Sarah, why wouldn't you tell us that? And she said, I was afraid I couldn't go to school. So those schools need more help, and they should get it. And, you know, those kids need a chance. And you're right. What you said at the beginning about the meaning of the term education if that's true in anyone, it's true of every human being. And that means inner city kids and, and minority kids and majority kids and every kind of kid. If they're human, they can learn, and natively they want to. Well, very well said. All right, thank you so much, Larry Arn, Dr. Arn. good to talk to you. Hillsdale College uh, with the confirmation today and, and the, the uh, tie-breaking vote by the president of the Senate, the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, And that means Betsy DeVos is, in fact, the education secretary. All right, let's get to our busy telephones. 800-941-SEAN. Brooke is in Illinois. Brooke, how are you? Glad you called. I'm I'm great. Thanks for taking my call, Sean. Thank you. Um, I just want to let you know I am thrilled with the the confirmation of Betsy DeVos. Our school system right now has already voted to strike. So as early as February 10th, our kids here in the district – may be involved in a work stoppage between, you know, or with the, the stoppage uh, or the union and the school boards um, not coming to terms. So I'm just, I'm grateful, and I hope that she's able to shake things up because I know there's a lot of parents in the district that are scared that don't know what they're going to do with their kids next week, possibly. And it's just scary. You know, we, we need to change some things. So You know, I, I got to tell you, I know more and more parents. Now, my kids are are both pretty heavily into sports so but a lot of the kids that they play against are homeschooled and it wasn't until my son got accepted into college that I allowed him to homeschool his senior year but I wasn't going to let him do it any any earlier because I put a priority on education and I got to be honest after talking to a lot of these parents that homeschool their kids they get twice as much done in half the amount of time with the kids that, the ones that are serious, I mean, they're kids that don't do it seriously. You know, we insisted that 
If my son's going to do it, he has to do it right. We even had a, a tutor work with him to make sure he was staying on track, taking the tests himself, making sure that you know everything was done on the up and up. And uh, and the good news is is it gave him an opportunity to learn how to do school right and faster. And he li- he understands now that. Well, I got to get this out of the way. So he works really hard and he gets it done and he would advance himself weeks in in homeschooling so that he'd have time to, you know, go on, go play tournaments and other stuff that he wanted to do. And we were fine with it as long as he got his work done. Yep. I I tell my daughter her only job right now, she's nine, is to go to school. That's it. Go to school. You sound like you sound like me. That's all I said. That's your job. Go do your job. I don't want to hear it. And I expect A's. And I expect you to be a good person. And I expect this. I, one day I'll give you the seven rules that I gave my son going off to college. I, I don't want to give them now because some people may not like them. Um, but I think they were fair. And uh, also giving him the freedom to make good choices on his own. At the end of the day, everybody's their own person. At the end of the day, people are going to live and die by their own decisions. The greatest worry as a parent is that your kid's going to mess up. And do something really stupid, and uh, especially the the male brain is half formed at eighteen. It, they don't have half. No, it's just the fact. So I'm just saying that you know that's our job as parents. We got to guide them and hope that they make good decisions. Kids are going to mess up every once in a while, and when they do, well, it's our job to help pick them up and get them straight. The Sean Hannity Show is up next. Hang on for Sean's conservative solutions. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. News Roundup, information overload hour on the Sean Hannity Show. Remember, after the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals hears the arguments tonight at 6 o'clock Eastern time, at some point thereafter, they are going to release the tapes of the arguments as it relates to the immigration ban. So by 10 o'clock tonight, we will have those available for you on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. All right, so that's coming up tonight. You're definitely going to want to tune in for this and hear this and listen to the insanity of those people that are against vetting refugees, those that are willing to gamble with your life, in other words. So that ought to be fun. Um, Anyway, let's get to our busy phones. Caitlin is in Irvine, California. Caitlin, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, I'm good. How are you? Caitlin, you sound young. How old are you? (laughs) I'm a sophomore in college. That's awesome. How do you like school? I like it. Um, I'm a journalism student, and I work for the school newspaper, and my professors have kind of advised me not to to basically be careful what I say or write in college and not to leave a paper trail of my conservative values because it could potentially limit um, job opportunities. So your professor is basically telling you to not be yourself— don't be true to your values and convictions, and that you might be punished down the road for being who you are. That's what the professor's saying, right? Pretty much. I mean, I have my own theories about it, and honestly, I feel like it's probably good advice, but I was kind of hoping that you'd disagree. Here's what I want to tell you. Now, let's say you're taking a certain class. Maybe 
maybe you're taking a political science class, and like I did at New York University, the teacher admits that they're a communist. First class, first day. And Ronald Reagan's president, and I'm like the only kid in class arguing with the professor every day. And I didn't do it till like halfway during the class. I got an A- minus on the midterm in that class. Ended up with the lowest grade I ever got in college. I was usually a dean's list student the years I was in college. And, and I got a C plus. And I made a conscious decision to argue with the teacher. And I made a conscious decision on the final to put down what I felt was true. Now, if let's say you want to be a lawyer or you want to be a doctor or you want to go to a particular grad school and you really need to keep your GPA up, my advice is you can go in there, understand that this guy is trying to indoctrinate you and brainwash you, and you can regurgitate back all the stupid bumper sticker uh, lines and, and cliches of liberalism to make them happy and get your A and get out of the class. There's no shame in that. But if you want to fight, go fight them. And there's no shame in that either, standing up for who you are. Look, at some point in life, Caitlin, you're going to have to decide, do you want to be who you are, and do you have the courage to be who you are? And if you are a conservative, if let's say you're pro-life, and you believe in vetting refugees, and you believe in, in lower taxes, and you believe in originalism and the Constitution, and you believe that a wall is a good idea on the southern border, and you are going to speak your mind when these issues come up either with friends or in school or wherever work environment you are my advice at some point you're going to have to be yourself or else you're selling yourself short does that make sense yeah it does i feel like at least just my observations about like journalism is that everyone wants to be on the right side of history and so the default ends up being you know writing everything from like a progressive standpoint here's my advice and i gotta go my advice is very simple be yourself and you will be unique and special and draw good people to you. All right? I hope I can talk to you again. Call us back. We'll continue. The executive order began to be developed before I ever became the Secretary of Homeland Security, before my confirmation. Just after the inauguration, my staff, a very small number, and myself had some initial cuts on that. Some changes were made. It was released, I I think, as you recall, um, the the third one I'm talking about now was released late on a Friday. We knew it was going to be released that day. The desire was to get it out. The thinking was to get it out quick so that potentially people that might be coming here to harm us would not take advantage of some period of time that uh, they could jump on an airplane and get here or get here in other ways. So that was a thinking. Uh, In retrospect, this is all on me, by the way, I should have delayed it uh, just a bit so that I could talk to members of Congress, particularly the the leadership of uh, committees like this, to prepare them for what was coming. Although I think most people would agree that this has been a topic uh, of uh, President Trump, certainly during his campaign and during the transition process. So today we deliver a message in one very unified voice. To these forces of death and destruction, America and its allies will defeat you. We will defeat them. We will defeat radical Islamic terrorism, and we will not allow it to take root in our country. We're not going to allow it. You've been seeing what's been going on over the last few days. We need strong programs so that people that love us and want to love our country and will end up loving our country are allowed in. 
not people that want to destroy us and destroy our country. Mr. President, how far are you willing to take your travel ban fight? Oh, we're going to take it through the system. It's very important. It's very important for the country, uh, regardless of me or whoever succeeds at a later date. I mean, we have to have security in our country. We have to have the ability. When you take some place like Syria, you take all of the different people pouring around. And if you remember, ISIS said, we are going to infiltrate the United States and other countries through the migration. And then we're not allowed to be tough on the people coming in. Explain that one. So uh, we'll see what happens. We have a big court case. We're well represented. And we're going to see what happens. Is it going to go to the Supreme Court, you think? Good. We'll see. Hopefully it doesn't have to. It's common sense. You know, some things are law, and I'm all in favor of that. And some things are common sense. This is common sense. It's common sense. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Our top story today, we await arguments now before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, one of the most liberal appeals courts in the country. I don't have a lot of optimism as to what is going to happen tonight. You know, very few of you paid attention when I I pointed out, and this got leaked by the Washington Free Beacon, and good for them. They got a hold of a retreat that was 100 big donors to the Democratic Party at the Turnberry Island. Resort in Florida, and in this, they came up with a Democratic Matters Strategic Plan for Action, which was supposed to be private and confidential. And attending the retreat, uh, the retreat obtained by David Brock's private and com- confidential memorandum, he put this together. He's the guy that runs Media Matters. They outline a four-year agenda to stop Donald Trump, attack Donald Trump, and Republicans using his group. By the way. If it's a 501c3 and they're involved in this, it raises political questions in a lot of different ways. But anyway, that they would use their organizations, Media Matters, American Bridge, the group crew, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics, that already has filed suit against Trump, or have gone after him, I should say. And then it comes up with a memo containing plans to defeat Trump through impeachment and expanding their mission to combat government misinformation. In other words, fake news from my interpretation. Uh, Ensuring a Democratic control of the Senate in 2018, which I don't think is going to happen. And then it says filing lawsuits against the Trump administration. And this is now going to be one of the major tactics that the left is using to stop the president. And they will be out there judge shopping. They'll go to liberal judges like they did in San Francisco and Minneapolis knowing that any appeals will go to the liberal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which once again highlights the importance of the Supreme Court choice of Neil Gorsuch to get on the court and then take Antonin Scalia's spot. Now, law is very simple. The law says, the U.S. Code 18-1182, whenever the president, I'm reading it to you, whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens, any, or any class of aliens into the U.S. would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation, and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. The law is clear. That will be argued at 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Beyond that, I don't have a lot of hope with the Ninth Circuit based on their history. Joining us to discuss, Jay Sekulow, the American Center for Law and Justice, Brian Claypool, civil rights attorney, Jay Sekulow. Well, we now know what they're doing. They put it in writing. They want to stop Trump at all costs. They're using the courts to do it. They're judge shopping, in my opinion. And uh, they know the, the any appeal would be in the Ninth Circuit. So I think we're going to see an awful lot of the strategy. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I think that's exactly right, and I think they've implemented that strategy in the selective way in which, look, they're entitled to do it. They did it, uh, and that is pick a district court that will be ultimately reviewed by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is, number one, as you said, Sean, the most liberal Court of Appeals in the United States. But I do need to point this out as a Supreme Court lawyer. They're also the most overturned uh, Court of Appeals in the United States. So oftentimes you will get a decision out of the Ninth Circuit, and the overturn rate is upwards of 80%. So while I'm with you, I'm not very optimistic about what's going to happen at the Ninth Circuit, although the law and precedent is clearly with the administration here. You, You mentioned Section 1182F, which is the Um, ability of the president to make the determination by proclamation uh, to stop particular groups or uh, individuals or groups from coming to the United States. It is crystal clear. So the Ninth Circuit is hard-pressed to do this. Having said that, nothing will shock me with the Ninth Circuit. That means from there, I mean, this, and this could be, Sean, we could see a case at the Supreme Court of the United States literally tomorrow. That's how quick this could move. Yes. Brian? Yeah, Sean, one problem with Jay's point is what happens, what happens if if Gorsuch is not approved, and then this matter gets sent to the U.S. Supreme Court with, with eight Supreme Court justices, it, it could, could eventually end up in a four-to-four vote. And then guess what? It reverts back to the, to the ruling by the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal. So ironically, yeah. the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal could actually be the mini U.S. Supreme Court in making the final determination on whether this executive order is constitutional. So that could be bad news for President Trump. Look, I think his heart is in the right place, Sean, but I don't think his head is in the right place. And why do I say that? Because this, I've read the executive order, and it, it uses danger. It uses threat of terroristic danger in the U.S. as a pretext for a religious-based travel ban, plain and simple. Jay? What makes no sense about your argument is, number one, you know that in any potential crime, you always are looking at who are the likely suspects. And read the statute itself. It says I, any I, class yeah, of I read it. Did it you read, say, hold it. I've read, the entire, I've read the entire executive order, too. And here's the problem. It isn't a Muslim ban. It happens to be these seven countries which the previous administration put in place as the countries of concern. These were the countries of primary concern. Those are the countries that are listed. It's not designating them by their religious affiliation, but rather by the country of origin. And the truth of the matter is that when it comes to, and I know you're going to jump to this provision about the Christians and other religious minorities getting uh, priority, that's the way the entire immigration system is set up. And that's not necessarily for Christians, but for religious minorities, if they are a suspect class that could be harmed. And that's exactly what this order did. There's nothing in this order that is wait, Before you guys go any further, I read you what the law says. Is there anything unconstitutional about a law if we have separation of powers, co-equal branches of government, and Congress passed that law, signed in a law by a president, and the President Trump is following the law, unlike his predecessor. Now, is law? there anything unconstitutional about a president whose first role as commander-in-chief from doing his job and looking at a real clear present danger to the country and using his authority to stop it? The answer to your question, Sean, is yes and no. Yes, he can issue an executive order. Yes, he can issue a proclamation. But it has to comport with the U.S. Constitution. Here, okay, tell me, tell me, tell Jay, tell Jay where it's unconstitutional. Oh, absolutely, I'll tell you. Under two grounds. Number one, under the First Amendment Establishment Clause, clearly. How in the world do you you don't really think this is a violation? Under five E five E of this executive order, it patently creates a law that unduly favors one religion over another. That's plain and simple. And number two, the Amendment Equal Protection Clause, you can't discriminate on anybody. 
doesn't have to be a U.S. citizen. Anybody it uses the word any based on religion and national origin. Clearly, okay. portions of this executive order discriminate against Muslim-based refugees and immigrants. Okay. Sean, if I may, first of all, I've argued a lot of cases in the Supreme Court involving the Establishment Clause. Do you really believe, and I know you don't, Brian, that this order establishes a religion in the context of the First Amendment? The answer to that has to be no, because it's country of specific origin that is the basis upon which the determination is made. The statute itself provides for that. The Constitution allows that. That's number one. Number two, this talking about, you know, giving religious benefit to one group or of another, that happens every single day throughout the entire world, including in the United States. As we look at our asylum laws and refugee laws, of course we give preference to groups that are being persecuted in an area that don't have protection. That's as old as our naturalization refugee laws in the United States. So, the, again, Sean, I go back to this. There is nothing in here that is remarkable. This is not like some shocking, I can't believe the president did this. Uh, by the way, when President Obama did it from Iraq, did we say that was a discrimination against Muslims? When, when President Carter did that against Iran, did we say that was a discrimination against Shia Muslims, because that's primarily a Shia country? No one said anything. They don't like this because Donald Trump actually put into play what he actually said he would do. This isn't about partisanship, Jay. It's about a, the, the Robart, the, the district court judge, is Republican. But let's, let's judge, move on to another part. Okay, okay. you and I both you. know that district court judges hey, are not. Let me, let, 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 let me ask you a question. Okay, that's my truth. Why, yeah. why is Saudi Arabia not in this seven-country Muslim ban when 15 of the assailants yeah. in the 9-11 attack were from Saudi Arabia? Because, because Brian, since 9-11, we've entered into intelligence-sharing arrangements with the Saudis, with other governments. So the world has changed in 16 years. So that's why. It was also Next question. Because of these Do you agree, though, that, Jay, the basis that the administ- of this executive order is predicated upon danger to the United States? potential terroristic threats, right? That, right let me let me go to let me go to Judge Robart, the original judge in this case out in yep. Seattle. The guy that, you know, number one made factual errors in his decision claiming there's been no terrorist attacks since 9/11 from the countries mentioned when in fact it was 6 of, out of 7 and also talked about Black Lives Matter from the bench, which shows that he has a political agenda. We'll go to that, the concept of um, of judge shopping and where this ultimately plays out. Brian Claypool, Jay Seculo, stay with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Looking for fake news? You won't find it here. You're with Sean Hannity. On the air now. now. Continue our top story today, News Roundup Information Overload. We'll get to your calls, bottom of the half hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. But that, of course, the Ninth Circuit now hearing arguments, 6 Eastern today. We will have audio of this tonight on Hannity at 10 Eastern. They'll release it after the arguments go forward, so I'll have all the highlights for you. Jay Sekulow and Brian Claypool. You know, one of the things I keep pointing out, Jay, it's very simple. The law is simple. The judge has, in the past, shown himself to be a judicial activist, mentioning Black Lives Matter in this particular case. He said...
said falsely that there's been no terrorist attacks since 9-11 from these countries. Well, he's wrong. About six out of the seven has been connections. And then it goes to the Ninth Circuit, as you point out, the most overturned court of appeals in the country. So what do you expect to happen tonight? Well, a couple of things. Number one, the judge did not set forth anything that had a constitutional basis upon which he declared this order unconstitutional. So that, which is what's happening here. So here's what actually happened. So it goes before the three judge panel today at the Ninth Circuit. They'll argue by phone. I've done that uh, before. Uh, we will. You'll have some audio of that tonight. We will have a decision. I suspect either this evening, Sean, or first thing in the morning. At which point, assuming because it's the Ninth Circuit that it rules against the president, uh, because the panel is not particularly helpful to the president's cause from what you know, what, what I know of these individual judges. But again, you never know. So you you got to say what happens is this: if in fact they. Uh, affirm the district court order and deny the stay, in other words, no stay pending appeal, in other words, the order does not go into effect, then the United States Department of Justice has a couple of options. First, they could ask for a rehearing on Bonk, which would be the entire Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to hear the case. That could either be granted or denied. That usually happens in short order. They then can do one of two things. They can take it to the circuit justice, which is Anthony Kennedy, and ask for an enforcement that way. Justice Kennedy can then either grant it, deny it, or refer it to the entire court. So that's basically what you're looking at. And that I've had these cases, Sean, on these kind of emergency hearing issues at the Supreme Court. And literally, I've gone from. So it can go to the Ninth to Circuit the and, in a week. and Justice Kennedy can just say overrule the Ninth Circuit and say no. Although, independently, he doesn't need. But, and I got to imagine he's got to take into consideration that the court is a pretty heavy 4-4 split here. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. Now, the court can then grant plenary review. So he could put could let the order go back into force, and then the entire court could hear it. I'm not so sure, by the way, this case falls down on a 4-4 split, by the way. I think this is one of those cases where the court looks at it, and even if they disagree with the policy of the president, to deny that the president has the constitutional authority to do this and to create an establishment clause issue out of this for all things, I think the court would be hard for us to do it. Jay, the issue, the issue is not whether, whether President Trump has, 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 has the right or power to issue this executive order. It's, it's whether every part of this executive order comports with the U.S. Constitution. Sure. And I'm going to make a prediction right now. I, I think this, this three-panel judge, set of judges, is going to uphold the restraining order to, to, to continue to suspend the travel ban for now. And then the next step, Sean, is going to be we're going to look at the constitutionality of this executive order. And, and i got to tell you, I think parts of this executive order are going to be struck down as unconstitutional. And I think parts of it I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong because you don't know the process. Jay Sekulow is exactly right. This is going to be sent to Kennedy. Kennedy will decide to either send it to the entire court or make a decision on his own. And I believe if Kennedy gets this case which I would anticipate that knowing the Ninth Circuit, it doesn't go with the Trump, with the Trump yeah. administration. And I bet Kennedy reverses it game over. And I think it could all happen in a week, as, as Jay said. We'll see who's right. Jay, we'll see all you right. on TV tonight. Thank you, sir. Appreciate yeah, sir. it. 800 941 toll-free telephone number. Your call's coming up straight ahead. The epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda that flooded social media over the past year. A religious leader disputes a man's claim that his mother died because of President Trump's travel ban. A Muslim woman who claimed to be attacked by Trump supporters in New York is now under arrest. Yasmin Sawid is now accused uh, of making it all up. Police in Louisiana say a Muslim woman who reported a Trump-inspired attack made the whole thing up. Monday night massacre. President Trump fires the acting attorney general for refusing to enforce his travel ban. But Donald Trump 
did is actually nothing at all like what Nixon did back in 1973. I mean, Nixon fired someone that he had hired, Archibald Cox, who was investigating Nixon's role in the Watergate scandal. A local high school is responding to a report that the new Supreme Court nominee founded a group called Fascism Forever. The report comes from the Daily Mail. Georgetown Prep, where Neil Gorsuch attended, released a statement saying no such club ever existed at the campus there in North Bethesda. Press Secretary Sean Spicer ripped the press for a false report that President Trump had removed the bust of MLK from the Oval Office. The Washington Post reports that the entire senior level of management officials resigned from the State Department today. The mass resignations of nearly all senior staff at the State Department on Thursday were not, in fact, resignations, but a purge ordered by the White House. A highly critical article in the New York Times loomed over the hearing, the one we told you about yesterday. The paper faced plenty of backlash and drew scrutiny over its sourcing, including the claim that Perry didn't really understand that the Department of Energy had purview over maintaining America's nuclear arsenal. He installs Steve Mnuchin, right, this Wall Street CEO who foreclosed on a 90-year-old woman who got her paperwork mixed up and was 27 cents short. Last week, a group of prominent computer scientists and election lawyers said they'd found persuasive evidence that results in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania may have been manipulated or hacked. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. Despite all the challenges we face, I remain convinced that, yes, the future is female. Just look at the amazing energy we saw last month as women organized a march that galvanized millions of people all over our country and across the world. So please, set an example for every woman and girl out there who's worried about what the future holds and wonders whether our rights, opportunities, and values will endure. And remember, you are the heroes and history makers, the glass ceiling breakers of the future. As I've said before, I'll say again, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world. Some things that I would like to change, one is the Electoral College, but that (laughs) would... There are more examples there of fake news, and it's just a, it's just the tip of the iceberg. The MLK bust has been removed. Uh, we have Neil Gorsuch founded the Fascist Forever Group. Mass resignations at the State Department. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Rick Perry didn't know what the Department of Energy did. Uh, Trump said he would start a war with Mexico. Mnuchin threw a 90-year-old woman out of her house because she was 27 cents short. I just it's ridiculous. The election stolen, a Muslim ban. It's all part of what do I keep saying? An information crisis that exists in the country. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. As promised, we're going to get to our busy telephones here as we say hi to Roxanne in California. Hi, Roxanne. How are you? And we're glad you called. Hi, Sean. I'm so happy to talk to you. I watch your show. I love everything you do, and I agree with everything you say. And I just wanted to comment on California wanting to exit. Um, I'm not for it, and they don't speak for probably a lot of Californians. Um, Listen, all these people that want to not pay taxes, all these people that don't want the wall built in California, it starts with Jerry Brown, it starts with your lieutenant governor, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is dying to be president. 
Gavin Newsom thinks he will be president. Gavin Newsom actually believes he's typecasted to be president. And he's so out of touch with all that red America. You know, look, good luck to him. Good luck to Andrew Cuomo. I don't think a New York liberal or California liberal is going to get a lot of people in the country to vote for them. I don't either. I we I think uh, we're about fed up. A lot of us. Um, of course, there's San Francisco and there's L.A. If we could actually just get rid of that, we'd probably be okay. Because I am sick and tired of the uh, the Hollywood idiots that think they know best for everyone else. Also, um, you know, and they don't. They don't speak for everyone. Uh, I don't want to exit. It sounds to me. I read through the uh, the Yes California just briefly. And all I could see is a big, huge liberal agenda. You think uh, an immigration's bad now? My gosh, if it goes in exit on their own, it will even be worse. I'm afraid. And um, why do you, you know, think? Just- why do you think there's a mass exodus of money and people from California, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Illinois? Why do you think there is growth in all these southern states and Texas? in Florida, in the Carolinas, and everywhere in between. Nashville, Tennessee is another place. Why do you think people are leaving blue states and going to red states? Because they're sick of the liberalism. Well, they're, they're, they're sick of paying high taxes. They're sick of, of everybody putting their hand in their pocket. I'll give you an example in New York. That's right. In New York City, for example, if you live in New York, you pay a, a 9.9% state income tax. You pay a city income tax. What is it, 3%, 4%? So, okay, you have a 40% national tax rate. That's 50% with the state tax, 54% with the city tax. Then you pay another uh, – uh, if you die, you not only pay half of that to the government, 40% to the government. Then New York takes another 10%, another bite at the apple if you die. Then you've got – you know, if you cross a bridge in New York, what is it, $7 now? Six or seven bucks? It's, yeah, what's the Lincoln Tunnel? The Lincoln 10? Tunnel's like $18. The, all right, what is it to cross the Midtown Tunnel every day? I cross it every day. You think I'd know, but you have an easy pass. Anyway, you're paying to cross a tunnel. You're paying, you know, $12, $18. Uh, a bridge, $8. It's ridiculous. And that's, They need to come back to Earth. They need to come back to Earth to the real American people that are hardworking and trying to pay all these taxes. It's, uh, it, it's smothering. I one time asked Donald Trump, this was uh, in an interview long before he became a candidate, I said, why don't you just pack up and go to Florida and save all that money? He goes, well, because I, I love my home city, and I don't want to do that, but they are, they are pushing me in that position. But anyway, it's getting bad out there. I, um, look, I don't care if people decide to, and, and make the tough decision to move. I've moved. I've lived in Rhode Island five years, California five years, Alabama two years, Georgia four years. So I'm a bit of a nomad, I guess, in that sense. I'm willing to move to other places, unlike a lot of other people. But my job required it if I wanted to pursue radio and television, you know. And yeah. so I um, – no, it's $8. I told you. It's not 18 That's the Midtown. Oh, the Midtown Tunnel is 8 bucks. yeah. It went from 6 to 7 to 8, like, overnight. I know. You're telling me the Holland Tunnel to get to New Jersey is 18 Lincoln Tunnel's 15 15 okay. And uh, the Holland Tunnel is 15 And Ethan was saying, what is it, Verrazano? Like the Verrazano for tractor trailers is like 50 or something crazy. It's insane. I mean, by the way, and who pays the $50? Well, it's the consumers because they just add that to the cost of whatever product is inside that tractor trailer. 
It's not like those guys, they don't get paid enough anyway, but they keep our country moving. So, uh, look, my only admonition to anybody that's moving from any of these blue states, you can go to Florida, you can go to Texas, you can go to Tennessee, you can go to the Carolinas. And the people there you're going to find are nice and welcoming, but keep your liberal values at home. If you're going to go to these states and move there, don't ruin those states like you ruined your other states. In other words, you take California and New York out of this election, Donald Trump wins by 4 million votes. If you just take away New York and California, is it New York, California, Massachusetts? He wins by 4 million votes. There's 47 other states here that don't want what you have out there in California. And the problem is they're just so highly populated, these states, that they, and they have so many electoral votes. It's, that's why it's difficult for any Republican to win a presidential election. And that's why if I'm Donald Trump, I'm focused like a laser beam on the economies of Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, because those states have been utterly destroyed by liberalism and they need help. And if he fixes it, he can transform the demographics, the Electoral College, hopefully for decades to come. But, you know, don't underestimate Republicans ability to blow things. Hence my discussion earlier in the in the day with Dave Bratt. You know, why are they increasing the, the debt limit? Why are they delaying the tax cuts? Why are they why don't they have a repeal plan in place already? It's unbelievable. I mean, what have you been doing for eight years? You know what the problem is? I'm gonna you know what, Linda? You've watched put your microphone on. You've watched me. How many years now have we been together? Uh, we're going into our eleventh. Okay. In eleven years, except for a maybe five business lunches that you know that I went to. May if you think it's more, say more. That I've gone to Del Fresco's because I had a business lunch with the Nielsen guys or these guys, right? Or my bosses. Can you think of any day that I have not eaten lunch at my desk in you, all the time we've worked you together? You barely eat your lunch as it is. All right. And what have I eaten for the last two years at my desk for lunch? And by the way, I don't eat breakfast. What do I eat? Chicken soup. Chicken noodle soup by? Campbell's. And who buys it for me? Me. You, buy, you order by the case. Correct. And now I'm on the NJ diet, so now I'm eating... Four ounces of weird, chicken every day. Weird, weird, okay, it's, it's not weird. I lost four pounds. Um, so my point is, the bottom line is, if you have time like these congressmen, all the time they get off, and these senators, and all the time they get off, and all the luncheons they have time for, who has time for lunch? Who has time to do lunch every day? I don't have time for lunch. None of you, all of you eat at your desk. If any of you came to me on any day and said, oh, I'll be back. I have a lunch today. You would not work with me. That's not how we roll on this program. You're all laughing in there. Who has time for lunch? Congressmen have time for lunch. Just remember that the congressmen also have a special area where they have lunch. They have the luncheon hall. They also have a special congressional gym because they have time in the morning no, to go to gyms. the gyms. They have their own barber shops, their own gyms. They have... Their own dining facilities. You would think with all this expediting of time and efficiency that oh, they would my. have so much accomplished. Okay, and then maybe they go home and have a town hall and talk about all the things they're going to do that never gets done. I'm well, like, with all the time they have off, they're not in, in D.C. that often. You think they would get more done at home. Say time off again. More time off. More time. <laughs> you know, but first of all, let me. I mean, I wished Obama took more time off because we would have had less drama. But, you know, these guys. But, they, he, but Obama know. was a typical politician. That's why he played golf all the time. He no, didn't... he was a typical community organizer. He the... voted not present 191 times That's as correct. a junior senator. All right. But the, bo- the bottom line is the guy didn't like working. Trump wants to work. 
And his problem now is going to be a Republican Congress that is not used to working. And these guys, it's so frustrating to me. They know how to filibuster pretty good. Okay, but it's frustrating because these guys should have had their act together. They should have they should have prepared an alternative plan to Obamacare beforehand. Now, I know that they're going to argue, okay, we have nine plans. They're very similar. We're working on it now. I get it. But the fact that it, they didn't have a consensus replacement plan ready to go is pretty pathetic. The fact that they want to raise the debt ceiling before Trump even gets into office, $9.7 trillion, that's pretty pathetic. No, the, you know what's pathetic? Well, hang on, one more thing. 30 the, people in the Freedom Caucus. Yeah, 30. That, they're the only people that like me that will come on this show for the most part. And in the Senate, we have like five senators that will come on this show now because, I, because we're holding them accountable. Trump would like to move at the speed of light. These guys don't know how to – they could barely lift a pen, They can't seems. even spell speed. They don't know what it means. They, they don't have, know what it means to work. Vocabulary. And, and I don't understand, you know – Perm limits. You know, I've watched Jason. I, I, I usually go inside – of your control room every day, and I watch what you guys eat. And I make fun of Linda. She eats leaves, and Lauren eats uh, usually like hummus or something disgusting. And, you know, Jason's the only one that has food worth looking at. And Ethan, you you eat some guy food, but you, you're being corrupted by these two with the lettuce and the leaves and the hummus. Well, you and... keep calling me fat on air, you know? Listen, I just speak the truth. <laughs> you're a little chubby. You know, just a fat. You're about 10 pounds overweight, I'd say. That's all. I'm a healthy. You're a manorexic. You don't get to talk to a real man's body. You need to be quiet. You and your NJ diet. Okay, listen. Look at me. I know, I've seen myself with my shirt off, and I'm telling you, when you look three months, four months pregnant, it's time to get on a you diet. You don't look that pregnant. You That's want me to show you my stomach? I would show you, but it's so weird. It's disgusting. I would never do it. I want you to do your read. Why are you laughing so hard? This is ridiculous. He's not ten pounds overweight. I am ten pounds overweight. You might be, but he's not. You're not 10 pounds overweight. Yeah, I am. It's about 10. I really am. So I'm just going to get rid of it now. I'm doing hard workouts, and I'm going to get rid of it. Anyway, now that we have digressed, who has time for lunch? I, I don't All well, you have time for is celery. I had celery and, and grilled chicken today. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easier to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes, And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere, and it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com, get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. 
Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that can be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today.